0: Hey there, this is Fred Pissarro, and you're listening to Metal Matters, the official Gimme Metal podcast where we explore all things new, some things classic, but all things heavy, with my co host, Michael Bernan.
1: Today on Metal Matters, we are joined by Kowloon Walled City frontman and studio engineer extraordinaire, Scott Evans. Since their inception in 2007, Carloon Walled City have continually redefined what it means to be a metal band. They have expertly harnessed a sound and aesthetic that is equally at home among doom, post-metal, and noise rock circles, while not succumbing to a stylistic allegiance to any one genre. The long-awaited follow-up to 2015's now-legendary Grievances will finally see the light of day on October 8th via Neurot Recordings and Gilead Media. We were fortunate to recently have an in-depth conversation with Scott about the advantages and perils of recording your own band, his personal experiences in overcoming the psychic blocks that sometimes prevent one from playing music, the decaying husk of monolithic gear retailers, and everything in between. Enjoy.
2: well this has been good guys take it easy <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: oh. I gotta go to Guitar Center yeah yeah exactly alright yeah. thanks guys I appreciate yeah. it yeah this is yeah. really informative Scott hi uh, how you doing <laughs> I'm fine you're fine <laughs> um, did,
2: did we start is this it
0: well how this whole thing doing? is this whole thing is us is, is, is it I think talking shit this is what we do is we talk shit We act like assholes um, while we're being recorded. I think that's the most of it. It's
2: very New York of you. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Well, we're real
3: New Yorkers. Uh,
0: (laughs) From other places.
3: Yeah. 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 Absolutely. (laughs) Fucking none of us grew up here.
0: (laughs) Um, Although I have, I, I, I don't know, I guess, I don't know what that threshold is, but I'm at 22 years, so. Yeah, I mean, yeah. at some point, yeah, yeah.
3: Jerry, Jerry Seinfeld said it was eight years. I don't actually feel that that's the case.
2: Yeah, I, I haven't lived in New York for thirty years, and I still feel like you know a little bit of a New York person. So, yeah, totally. Yeah,
0: totally. Exactly.
3: Yeah. My my family is all from up here, and so and like my dad lived here when I was growing up. So I was just kind of like in and out of the city, but like I grew up like around and in Philadelphia. And that just has a way of like branding your soul uh, that New York can't erase.
0: In 2021, I almost think like being from Philadelphia means more than being from New York. Cause I feel like New York at this point has been diluted with the, with the sex in the city slash girls slash. Influx of um, of those types that it's hard to tell what the difference. You know what I'm saying? You could usually be like that motherfucker's from Queens. That motherfucker's from the Bronx. And you mm-hmm. can still do that, but those are for only for older people. You know what I'm saying? It's like a little bit grayer, I think, across those areas. Whereas you can be like that motherfucker's from Philly.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely like a, a cultural identity. This whole like kind of like. Male working class uh, northeastern seaboard thing uh, where we all go, hey, <laughs> threatened to like fight everyone. You know, uh, it's um, I I don't know. I, it's it's treated me well so uh, up to this point. So whatever, fuck it.
0: Exactly. Yeah, oh. I,
3: yeah. I've got no education, no hope, <laughs> and uh, a couple of jokes. Sometimes that I think are funny, but a couple two are. tree
0: jokes, a couple two tree jokes. I don't fucking I don't know. Uh, Scott, where are you from originally? You're up in Long Island. Oh, you did? Okay, cool. I did not know that. Oh, wow.
2: yeah. It was a long time ago, and I left for college and never came back. So, you know, uh, I don't, I don't really qualify as a New Yorker in most ways, but I still sort of, you know, identify as a New Yorker in some ways. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. My mom grew up in Long Island and hasn't lived in New York State in I don't know fucking uh, close to fifty years, and she still like says that she's like like acts like she's from New York City. I'm does like, she no. still have the accent? No, she never did. Like oh. she like like her 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 father does, but her father like her father and her mother are from like are from like deep Queens and uh but like yeah this lady's like i'm a new yorker and it's like (laughs) lady you're from the fucking suburbs um but i mean i I grew up on the
2: east coast and then i lived i went to school in the sort of north south for four years and lived in the dc area for a while and during this time i was basically like an asshole to everyone there because of all the new yorker and then i moved out to california and Slowly softened, but I'm basically ended up at this point where I'm too much of an asshole for California, but I'm totally soft if I go like to the East Coast or you know whatever. Like (laughs) I was recording in Chicago with guys from Philly and Chicago, and they were just eating me alive. And I was like,
0: Oh God, why are you so mean? Like, (laughs) (laughs) where where did you live in uh, DC? I'm from I'm from Northern Virginia.
2: Where in Northern Virginia are you from?
0: Alexandria. Oh, I lived in uh, Annandale. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. I feel like um, Annandale and then farther. I, I feel like all, all of the scene, the quote unquote scene stuff was happening like a little, you know, past Annandale and then like into DC. You know, like
2: yeah, in Arlington, really. Yeah, yeah, I
0: think most of the well, no, I mean was. like even further out. Like you know, is it like um, wherever you know Pig Destroyer and Page Ninety Nine? Those guys were like, I want to say like winchester like vienna oh yeah
2: way out there yeah no mm. no the scene stuff i'm talking about was more like the discord kind of you know yeah uh,
0: oh right, right, right yeah
2: you know frotus and whatever kind of cool
0: frotus you know shout Frodus. out jason Frodus. hammaker <laughs> that's my man
2: <laughs> man i love that record
0: <laughs> yeah that's the homie um
2: yeah 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 good, so okay good, good record on tooth and nail <laughs> Did you know that the drums for that record were recorded in a basement?
0: Did not know that. Did not know that. Yeah.
2: I, I learned a whole bunch of stuff about that record because I interviewed... Uh, holy shit. I, I am terrible at names. Uh, I'm going to do this with every single name. With oh, Frodo, to
0: turn it. No, oh, McTernan. McTernan. Oh, oh yeah. doy, doy. Yeah, yeah, McTernan from like Battery and uh, recorded a zillion fucking bands. Oh,
2: yeah. yeah, yeah a zillion yeah. bands. Yeah. So I interviewed him for tape Bob and we talked a bunch about the Frotus record. And that was when he was living in a house in Silver Spring or something like that. He's yeah. like, yeah, there was just a pretty cool sounding basement. And I just cracked a door open for the room sound on the drums and, you know, like had no gear really. And it's like the best sounding, best record. It's like, OK, Wow that's incredible
0: that <laughs> man yeah it's it's cool that you know like it's cool to see that you know i grew up seeing bands like that like uh, battery and like um uh Damnation and worlds collide and like all those all those kind of like dc band it's cool to see that you know not only that brian's like active and, but like you know like has a band and people like that band. You know what I'm saying? Um,
2: Yeah. He's had a real like up and down, I think with, with doing, you know, music and audio for a living. It's yeah. I mean, he started extremely young and, uh, and it's an impossible way to make a living.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like only Don's and Tara and a couple others in, in, in DC were actually making it. Pop off, maybe. J- oh, Jay Robbins, obviously. Yeah, Jay Robbins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, but yeah. Anyways, um so yeah. You, so you, where'd you go to school? I went
2: to school at the University of Virginia. Oh, okay. you did. Okay. You might know us for our racism.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I No, I, I, you guys don't have the uh, luck on that. I went to school in Atlanta. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> Actually, I think that our school was relatively speaking progressive. Um, I went to Georgia Tech, so you know, same conference oh, yeah, yeah. there. Yeah, 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 same conference. I mean, you
2: know, the oxygen that I had breathed had been Long Island, right? And so I, yeah. you know, I, I, I didn't, uh, I didn't really understand what social and political leanings meant. I knew that I always sort of like ended up friends with weirdos, but I didn't understand the bigger picture of that. And I think it was not until years after college, even when I sort of finally clocked, like. Oh, the things that made me uncomfortable in this environment and the things that made it a little hard for me to find my people. Like it doesn't, it's not like that everywhere. And it was more a reflection of being, you know, somewhere near the South. And, uh, it was not exactly the South, but I, that's why I call it the North South. Like it's, it's the beginning. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and yeah, I guess, you know, it is a college town and is more progressive maybe than, you Know if it wasn't, but still, the vibe there was definitely you know pretty pro. Uh,
0: how many times did you see the Matthews band while you were in Richmond? Zero,
2: <laughs> but they were coming up when I was there,
0: and yeah, so they yeah. were playing at like
2: the local venue <laughs> that the guy who had Corey Capshaw, who I think ended up managing them or something, or both, yeah. whatever, he owned this place and was having them play once a week and it was it was a huge thing like all oh, the the entire fraternity area would like empty out to go see dave and i have friends so, who have toured with him and stuff like but no i never saw him once yeah yeah
0: i think on my campus it was like around the same time i feel like there was like that whole wave of bands There's was like fucking hootie and the blowfish and i think ours was edwin mccain would play my school a lot bleak pretty, totally bleak yeah, yeah. I love of, this. I love this talking about terrible bands thing. When, yeah. We should keep on doing this. Spe-
3: <laughs> Speaking of uh, of Hootie and the Blowfish and uh, and DC, <laughs> right? Uh, I I know very little about Hootie and the Blowfish except for the. Uh, I know I know two things. I know that I know that I know someone who had a one night stand with Darius Rucker, and I was all scared that it was, that she was going to tell the story and it was going to be bad. And she said she woke up and he was cooking her. A like lovely breakfast, and that it was like the nicest one night stand that anyone's ever had. Um, <laughs> and I know that um, let's go back in time to some more DC bands. Good Clean Fun, right? Um, uh, do you guys know John Robinson, who used to be in Good Clean Fun, uh, was in Rambo for a long time, and uh, uh, sorted other bands. Okay, well. He played in these DC, then Philly bands. Um, he grew up like outside of DC and he went to school with uh, the guitar player from good, uh, from Hootie and the Blowfish. And the guitar player from Hootie and the Blowfish used to beat the shit out of him. Yeah, like Day in, day out. And I just think, that that, that's amazing like 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 like, of course that dude was like some fucking like weirdo jock like beating up the punk and then playing hold my hand like like that's who's that's that's who's beating people up
0: but
3: it's not like it's it like it's not like the fucking discharge fans like that you ever have to look out for. It's these fucking Dave Matthews band. Who do you, the blowfish people like those are the people who get real dark. Cause they get away with shit. They always fucking do.
0: Yeah.
3: At least until the internet. I don't know. It's a different game now. Good job, Mike. that's all i got uh fucking find me on patreon
0: (laughs) this is we're we're the uh single-handedly being like the chris hansen of of douchebag of music douchebags we should be doing that that's our new calling right
3: Chris, chris chris hansen the fucking to catch a predator
0: yeah yeah that guy yeah
3: I mean, I don't think it's like too, uh, like, 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 catchy, like, rude to be like, yeah, some guy fucking who played in this st- stupid jock band fucking did stupid jock shit.
0: Yeah. The Beat up the guy works. from Rambo. Yeah, exactly. I guess maybe that, maybe that does work.
2: Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a funny story. Dude, I just spent the 90s listening to Rust in Peace.
0: Fair. <laughs> i mean that's i mean i i spent the 2000s to listen to that i get it yeah
2: that that as well <laughs> yeah. i saw a few basement shows and stuff with you know that were cool but there was a lot of stuff happening that i just somehow totally missed i think because i was completely holed up trying to be a recording person and learn to record better and okay. listening to like you know weird european progressive metal that i found via you know some internet news group or something like that. And like, I, it's only later when I realized that, that I made a huge mistake and all that shit that, I, that was going on around me in DC is like, I should have been playing in those bands and yeah. I should have been at every one of those shows. Like that was really my shit. But I, it just, it's a, it's been a journey to realize that okay. dream theater went to the same high school as me.
0: Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't
2: so that, know it. You didn't know what? Theater or a long Island band. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't know. that.
3: Damn, I did not know that.
2: Yeah. And I think, uh, honestly, that's a big part of it had a, a huge effect on, you know, when I was listening to all this weird European progressive metal in my 20s. I think growing up with that around me and, and those guys as examples of someone who were, you know, like doing it and advanced musicians and all this stuff, I think that had a big effect on me. Um, mm mm-hmm.
0: I, I, you know, I gotta say, I don't know if I've, I, you know, I I listened to a lot of, I know a lot of like dream theater stuff because of work, you know? And, but I don't know if I've like, I think like my blind spot has always been like, like kind of Opeth and like, like dream theater and stuff like that. Like the super prog stuff. Like
2: I, I, I think what I, what I learned is that over time is like, you know, I mean, I, I haven't listened to a dream theater thing in a million years. I'm still, happy for their success and i think it's super cool and they're like they love what you're doing and it's awesome but it's just not for me it's a little too uh, the waving my hands it's a it's a little too many things i do like a lot of that opes shit though Uh, okay there's something about it that's a little uh a little it's got a little more depth to me or something i don't know
0: yeah, I don't think I got any further than Blackwater Park, but I did like Blackwater Park a lot.
2: Yeah, it's like the last few records, what you know, where they just gave up and completely became a sort of quote unquote prog band. I think where I was like, okay, I'm, I'm in on this.
0: Yeah, totally.
2: They sound like you know, like better Jethro Tull or something. I don't
3: know. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I've never heard Opeth, and this is like making me want to do that. You starting with like they got good when they just gave up, and now they sound like a better Jethro Tull. That's like, alright, alright, yeah, fuck. I
2: mean, I don't think they actually gave up, but they might have realized the folly of playing heavy metal.
3: But that, yeah, that, that's what I mean. Like, they don't need to uh, prove themselves to some kind of weird metal crowd and just yeah. do whatever they
2: want. Yeah, it's like, what if you don't do like the, the growled vocals anymore? Like, what if we just sort of never did that again? And the band meeting, everyone's like, all right. Yeah. Yeah. And what if we had yeah. like lutes? Everyone's like,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, it, I think that's the thing. I think Michael uh, Ackerfeld, I think his name is, I think that guy just decided uh, you know what? I'm going to take all my metal shit and I'm going to put it in that band Bloodbath and then everything else I'm going to just stick in. All my melodic tendencies are going to be in Opeth. And that's, that's worked out for him you know yeah i back that stuff it's good and bloodbath rips actually i think that bands i cool. think i've ever
2: heard of bloodbath so yeah, i, I never heard him
0: it's a yeah you should it's like it's like it's like a quote-unquote super group but it's like all the old school um death metal guys i t- i tend to like out of all the you know the super group thing i think the only only genre that gets it right usually for me is death metal like i love like i think death breath is fucking sick i don't know if you guys have ever heard that But i don't really um, listen to music <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. um i really yeah. like it but i'm more of a television
3: guy myself and it's not the band television i mean just <laughs> literally looking at a
2: television
0: yeah <laughs> yeah I'm not listening to it though when music comes on you turn it turn it off immediately
3: Nah, dude, I got fucking subtitles, man. (laughs)
0: Yeah,
3: exactly. Yeah. Which I I actually have to use now because my hearing is fucking dog shit.
0: I, I, is that true?
3: It's kind of true. Like, I will, uh, like, I can watch it without subtitles, but the volume has to be very high. What,
2: uh, to what is that? Like genetics, or is that you know from playing shows? Uh, or
3: I, I almost entirely attribute it to playing shows without earplugs.
2: Oh, dude, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. It definitely is what it is because that shit doesn't heal. Nope.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: I've given a lot of lectures about this. I feel pretty strongly about it. It's so easy to to think you're invincible when you're 22, and it's no big deal and stuff. And it just you can't describe what it's like for your hearing to be fucked when you're 40 or 45 and know that it's never returning. Like it's, and it's totally avoidable.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's
2: entirely true. Uh, look at, yeah. Look at me, kids. Look at this guy. Learn from his mistakes. (laughs) Yeah. Spend spend 200 bucks and get custom earplugs. If you can, it's, if you're in a band, it's, it's way better than buying another pedal or something.
0: Yeah. I gotta say, like, um, yeah, and I mean, or even just buy just the shitty ones. Just wear anything. Yeah, no,
2: nothing else. You can buy the fifteen dollar uh, at a what is it? I can't remember. Then they got a funny name. Uh, they look like Frankenstein plugs. You know, they're like they're like ribbed to go yeah. into your ears, but they're they call them musicians earplugs, and they're like fifteen bucks. And they sound really pretty good and do a great job in noise reduction. And if you lose them, you know, it doesn't break your heart, but way better than the foaming ones. Yes. At least yeah. do that. Definitely. Yeah. Every band practice, every show you go to, and you'll just get used to it sounding that way. And I'm at the point now where if someone hits a fucking snare drum, when I'm in the room, you know, I'm like, it's like I get shot. I'm like, you know, you just realize that that is insanely loud. Like, yeah.
3: I, I, I wish that I had, uh, had had gone that way, but instead, uh, yeah, kids, fucking stay in school. Wear your earplugs. Um,
0: <laughs> don't don't be like me. <laughs> don't be like us. Don't be yeah. like us. Uh, yeah, yeah. Speaking, uh, talking about metal in the middle of the day on a Thursday.
3: Yeah. Well, <laughs> kind of talking about metal.
0: I'm uh, <laughs> not here
2: to talk about metal.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess, talk about you know, Dave Matthews Band in the middle of the day. Yeah. So like,
2: I, I mean, not I guess really we're here to talk about Dave Matthews either, but I guess yeah. <laughs> fucking. I'm not uh, sure why I'm here. <laughs> yeah.
3: I will say that I heard Dream Theater, or that I heard Napalm Death for the first time because of Dream Theater. <laughs> <Is> he- yes, <laughs> really. In the "Pull Me Under" video, uh the uh the singer is wearing a, a Napalm Death uh, Utopia Banished shirt, and I was like. Oh, I, I wonder that that looks like a cool shirt, and so I went and bought it from the CD store, and uh, and, and and that was that. Shiver Rips. Wow. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. One of those records got a little more play than the other. I'm not going to say which one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know how I got into Napalm Death? Purely, purely the 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 marketing of this band has made the shortest song ever that's how I bought, that's like, how I bought I did it for you. Yeah. Yeah. I bought, that's how I bought scum. And I was like, I was younger. I was like, oh, 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 I don't understand this, and, but I bought it at the time. And, and then I came back to it like four years later. I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I get this completely. You know,
2: that last no, the, not the most recent, the, uh, previous Napalm death record. Uh, the one with like the meat on the cover. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that shit goes dude really good. Like yeah. just old men crushing.
0: Oh yeah. yeah. I feel like for the most part for the most part, they haven't fallen off. Yeah. You yeah. know.
3: Very consistent band. If if anything, I think that they are here in a lot of ways more consistent now than they were kind of during their like their their like death period. Uh, yeah. In in like the, the early to mid nineties, um, yeah, and that, that's just like you know, kind of a matter of uh, a matter of opinion. But like, I don't know. Yeah, band is uh, they're not a bad band. Yeah, good band.
0: Yeah, pretty good band. I feel yeah. like they they haven't fallen off. I don't feel like I feel like Cannibal hasn't fallen off either.
2: No, yeah, no,
3: they, they might have done better. Yeah. yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. Yeah, is, definitely
3: uh, definitely better singer now for sure yeah and for a long time now
0: yeah god <laughs> it's so amazing yeah we uh we had a we had nate from spirit adrift on this on the pod uh last week um scott and he was talking about how you know when he went on tour with cannibal they would um play the six feet under record to like get pumped up before they're set. <laughs> Which I think is the funniest shit ever. Oh wow. That's God.
3: awesome. <laughs> yeah, the covers the, the covers record to be yes, specific. Exactly. Oh wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So you're like Chris Barnes going TNT. I was and just gonna say. <laughs> and just, they just know that they're gonna go and play better songs than that. <laughs> That shit makes me
2: so happy. <laughs> know,
0: it's so brutal and
3: hilarious.
2: It's, it's like evolution in, in like they drag the knuckles around backstage and then they, it's like the evolution picture. They slowly become upright and pick up guitars and walk up on stage.
0: <laughs> yeah. Amazing.
2: God bless them, man.
0: Uh, so he, oh, oh, let me, let me ask you a little bit of um, stuff about the Colin. Uh, uh, you know, some Cal stuff. So, um, I guess the first thing I want to ask you is about this, the EP that came out earlier this year with, uh, Ken. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. is that a, is that a quarantine special? Is that, is that what the deal is? No, the deal is that, um, this, I
2: don't know if you guys have heard of this band. Well, you probably have now since you saw it on the cover, but if you had heard of shallow North Dakota, yeah. Prior, of okay. No. Yeah. So Canadian, Noise Rock from the mid, late 90s. Their first two records were sort of like, I guess I would call them post-Helmet. They were like in that sort of tight, starty, stoppy vein, but they were gnarlier and Mm -hmm. just sort of like relentlessly heavier and, you know, with no real polish. And I loved, loved those records. And uh, 2001 or so, they put out a record called called Mob Wheel. I thought they were done and then they dropped this record that like, I mean, it just sounds like they took all the shit from the two other records and sort of like, played it at a half speed and set it on fire. It is so fucked and so heavy and so hooky and good. And it was just really like when I, I grew up playing bass and when I started playing guitar more, I actually sat down for a long time just with mob wheel, just playing it over and over again. Just like mm. that was kind of what taught me to play rhythm guitar. I, I love it so much. And so their drummer and singer, Tony um, was diagnosed with uh, cancer in February, and a pretty bad cancer, and uh, stage four, and just you know, just a huge awful road in front of him. He's got two little kids and a wife, and you know, um, and so we had recorded a Shallow North Dakota cover ten years ago, and and never done anything with it. And I sort of looked at everyone in the band, and I was like, Hey, could we do something with this? And uh, I think I I must have hit up the shallow guys and talked to them about it, and just sort of jokingly said, "You don't happen to have any leftover songs, you know, from back in the day, do you?" And they said, "Actually, we have one song that didn't couldn't fit onto Mob Wheel." I was like, "What?
0: You know, <laughs> Sick.
2: what?" And I said, "Would you be willing to put it on a split as a fundraiser for Tony?" And they said, "Oh, absolutely." So. Uh, and I know the guy who recorded Mob Wheel. We've, he, I've mixed records that he's tracked since. So I hit him up. He got it together and got to you know, remixed it a little bit and got that to me in like two days. And somehow Ken Moe, Jesse, is also a huge Shallow North Dakota fan. Um, and I don't remember if I was just talking to him or whatever, but I don't know, somehow it came up and he was like, could we be involved in this? And I had actually been trying to get him to sing on our shallow cover for years and he just was too busy or whatever uh and i was like yeah you could either sing on this or you know i don't know he's like i think we can just record a cover really quick so like that weekend him and shane recorded two songs and uh and mixed them very quickly uh sean from the great sabatini did cover art in like three days you know he's a tattoo artist and his illustrations are amazing Mm -hmm. he he sort of sends us over like the day after he's like how are these i'm like, "What?" And uh, so, basically, like from hearing about Tony being diagnosed to having like a fundraising tribute ready to go, it was like it was like ten days or something. It was amazing, wild, Um, wow! And so, we did pre-orders for it. We uh, ordered vinyl from Pirates Press. They were really cool. They cut us a break on the price because they knew it was a fundraiser. And uh, you know, we sold pretty much out of it quickly and also raised a bunch of money through digital sales. We donated I, a lot of money to Tony's family. Um, I think they were, you know, really touched. And I think it really genuinely helped like the cost of, they are in Canada, but the cost of his care and they're doing a lot of like alternative, you know, therapies and stuff too, to keep him healthy and, or well, to keep them sort of like feeling okay through it, just brutal chemo and all this stuff. Yeah. Um, so those records just came in, uh, the pirate pirates turnaround is actually surprisingly great considering the state of vinyl pressing right now. Yeah. And uh that's what that is. It's just three bands. It's a split, really not an EP. Um, and it's fully a fundraiser for Tony. And I if anyone's listening who's you know interested, I would definitely encourage you. Uh you could go buy that on Bandcamp. The money still goes to them, or uh all the shallow North Dakota stuff is on Bandcamp now too, and all their sales go to Tony's support also. And their records are fucking essential. They're so good.
0: Shall- Shallow North Dakota. Guys. Shallow
2: North Dakota. Yeah. Yes. Please go listen to their records and send them money. Records from Bandcamp. And they'll get pretty much all of it. And you can or cannot listen to the best noise rock records ever made. Got it. Yeah, they are quite good. Oh, so good. Yeah. Yeah.
3: One of the best singer drummers uh, in, in my opinion at least to come out of North America for
2: sure. I agree dude. He is incredible and you know there's just not that much live footage or videos but there's a few and I love watching them because he is just a substantial human being, you know, just an absolute unit. He's like a wall behind the drums and he sounds his drumming is like a wall and his vocals are like a wall. He just sounds enormous and let me tell you, trying to cover that dude's vocals was definitely like, okay, this was a mistake. Like, yeah, he's just an absolute beast. Totally. Best band. Very, very good band.
0: Best, I I feel like, I feel, I feel like, uh, a herb. I, I, I'm not, I'm not aware of this man.
2: No, dude. I mean, no one was, it just, yeah. Okay. They, they, they were on, uh, what was that? Sonic onion. I think tiny little Canadian label. Uh, and we're part of this. Did you ever hear of kittens?
0: Uh, you can say no. It's okay. I can't. No, I don't think so. so
2: Yeah. There's a little scene as far as I can tell up around, I don't know, Hamilton or wherever. And with a few of these bands that did the thing for a while, kittens, also the bazooka and the hustler, a plus, uh, you know, sort of like, Noise rock with a little swing to it. I, there's something about the Canadian noise rock. I don't know what it is. Um, it it's it's my favorite of of all of the noise rocks. I think it's those two bands.
0: Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I I don't know. I I would say I'm partial to uh, I'm partial to probably insane. That's probably my favorite of it's a games. very
2: New York thing to say. Yeah, yeah. yeah I gotta say that. <laughs> I, I don't know. I like I like Insane a lot too. Um there's just there is something about those bands uh and those records that is really special to me.
0: I don't no, know I what f- it is. I feel that. I feel that totally.
2: But um, if you like saying, I think this this show will be right up your alley.
0: Well, absolutely. I mean I'll send I, you I, some stuff. Okay, I'd love to hear it. I'd love to hear it. Um so yeah, I mean, and so That was happening concurrently while you were doing like, uh, you know, working on your, on your new album, which is, uh, right around the corner. Correct.
2: Yeah. Yes. Um, that the story of our record is a little painful. Mm -hmm. We basically recorded basics for it, you know, like the drums and guitars and all that stuff in 2018. And then, Mm -hmm. uh, with no vocals. And then our singer sort of had some mental health issues and some, why am I even doing music issues? Mm -hmm. And uh, our singer in this question, in this case is me. And it just took me a long ass time to get vocals done. Um, Yeah. And finally, mid pandemic, I think I was sort of like, All right, all right, all right, all right. Let's do this. Finally got vocals tracked, and mixing did not take that long. And so, yeah, we—I think we were, in fact, finishing that right around the same time that the shallow stuff was happening. Yeah. In fact, I think I—I yes, absolutely.
0: Yeah. It's—it's man, we've we've had this conversation a bunch lately about you know just like the pandemic and just like uh, how it's really just like beat down the mental health of. Of everyone who's done anything in music, you know? And like or even, you know, even me, you know, even like people like me who like I'm not I don't do music at all. People like you who haven't done anything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Who are literally worthless. No, no, I'm just sorry. But um who you know, who who I don't do obviously I don't do anything in music, but everything I do is because of it. Yeah. You know? Um, and we all just we all just orbit around music as well and it's just it's just see it's so crazy to see like how you know I, I, not only monetarily and like you know like the finances of how everybody works and everything but just how like uh everyone is just kind of like um, you know we had no idea that we were just kind of hanging on a string with some of this stuff until well
2: two things one is that you know
0: my uh
2: Man, there's like 10 things. Uh, one is that the, the sort of mental health lapse that I had predates the pandemic. It was, yeah. uh, I still don't actually know what I can attribute it to, but I, you know, got in therapy and got on some meds and for sure took some time to sleep a lot more and a bunch of other stuff. And that seemed to really help for me. I think I, uh, during lockdown, I was so busy being a parent. And I also sort of naturally found other ways to, I'm just sort of naturally very busy. Um, So I started, you know, I found myself sitting like at our dining room table with a bunch of books on electrical engineering, trying to teach myself circuits and, you know, building all these pedals and all this stuff. And so I sort of re um, it's not like I tour all the time and like, and that was just yanked out from under me. Like I'm sort of used to like, fiddling a lot with, you know, whatever I'm sitting in a studio by myself. So I I guess I naturally uh, transferred that energy and that helped keep me sane. I do feel like my, my perspective towards, you know, music and bands and touring is definitely still fucked up. Yeah. You know, I'm like, is this, is this important? You know, we all thought this was important, but the truth is like music is important, but I don't know if, you know, I, obviously the music business and you know, the making of records and all that is not actually the important part about music. And it, so that's, it's just been an interesting step back. Like,
0: yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a cog in a much bigger, important wheel, you know, um, at the end of the day, the wheel we, of capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> the wheel yeah. Of, yeah. Yeah. The most important thing of all time of capitalism, you know what I'm saying? Like, I it's so funny because like this conversation is so close to the conversations that I was having literally 20 years ago around nine 11 and about like, you know, like I remember all that. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? And like, is it cool to, is it cool to like be funny? Is it cool to like listen to this music that's about like explosions? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I remember all that you know like all this all this all this shit like that and at the end of the day i mean like yeah it is because if it's gonna fucking keep you sane you know then that's the most important thing you know it's just like it's just like i always say that uh music for me is mood you know like there's some people who can just listen to death metal or just listen to like fucking balance of or whatever the hell it is but like there are days when I'm just want, when I want to murder everyone. And so those days I listen to deicide and like, and like Cannibal Corpse or whatever, you know? And then, and then I feel better, you know? Um, and so those things are really important. But yeah, it's sometimes hard to see the forest for the trees, you know?
2: Yeah. And I, I, I go back and forth on this about heavy music, funny enough. Um, I do know a lot of people who find, you know, listening to like, Super bummed out music helps them get through tough times, or you know, like you said, listening to very aggressive stuff helps them get through shitty times uh, at the same time, like have you seen Summer of Soul? yeah, yes, yeah, okay, fucking amazing, right yeah so sick.
0: oh so my God sick.
2: okay, so by the way, to talk about accents, every time they're interviewing like a like a sixty five year old woman <laughs> yeah. who grew up in Harlem and yeah, yeah. it was like. It was like, like pure oxygen for me. I just loved (laughs) hearing their voices. So great. Just wonderful. And, uh, but they, a, a few of the people that they interview in there, um, they talk about how the importance of, you know, uplifting music through difficult times and, uh, and, I, you know, I think about that often when I think about, you know, Black Americans have been through and continue to go through just incredible challenges and challenges is the wrong word, you know, it's it, it, like for generations, right? For like yeah. all generations. And a lot of the music that I think that Summer of Soul film exemplifies it that came out yeah. of that is Joyful you know, it is to, it is to lift you up and remind you that, you know, there's, there's still a reason to, to get out of bed every day. And, and, you know, you still have each other and all that. And I think about that, you know, and then I think about like, I don't know, you know, the body and I'm like, (laughs) like, it's interesting. Like at some point that, you know, you decided to just point the camera right into the fucking sewer instead at musically. And, you know, really focus on that. And I, I go back and forth on that a lot. And I go back and forth it was I think part of the, the struggle that I was having, as far as like, you know, should, should our band exist? Should we keep making records? Like what space should we be occupying?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I had a conversation about like, it's got nothing. Yeah. He's like, well, wow. No, I mean, no, no. I mean, obviously, you know, obviously I've, I've always, um, I've been, a have been a fan of you, of you, of your work ever since, First time I saw you in cake shop, fucking decade ago, I would say it was more than that. You you booked that, right? Or was yeah. that Rich? It was, yeah, it was me and Rich together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Thank was you, that more? By the fucking way. more than ten years ago? I can look. Um, Ew. I, I mean, Ew. I mean, I mean, Rich.
3: <laughs> Rich has been gone for close to ten years at this point.
0: Ew, ew.
2: It was, uh, <laughs> wow. It was almost exactly 11 years ago, September 18th, 2010. Jesus Christ. Hey, Fred, by the way, seriously, thank you for that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no big deal, man. It was cool. It was,
2: Those it shows was were a big deal for us.
0: Oh, I, well, I'm, it was it was fun for me and big deal for me. I, I think I stopped doing shows there right after that. And then I think... Um,
2: That's how fun it was. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it was fun. I quit doing shows.
0: No, no. I, I mean, I quit doing shows there. And like, they just... Uh, uh, Cake Shop folded soon after that, if, I, right, if right. I remember right. But yeah, I used to do a lot of fun stuff there. I'm kind of slowing down on shows lately. I got a couple in the in the wings, but I think I, I it'll always just be a passion play for me. It's going to be like if it's friends, or or if I like the band because I don't I don't want to do it for money anymore. It's the right, worst yeah, yeah, thankless the, the, job in the world. Doing the
2: hustle is a little rough. Yeah, yeah, awful. Okay, I want to interview you a little bit about uniform. Did uh, but he didn't mix the last record, right, Randall no. Dunn? Yeah, Randall
3: did that. Yeah, they they own a studio together. And so, uh so most of our stuff is like a combo Ben Randall at this point. Oh, what studio? Uh it's called uh Circular Ruin. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I guess I
2: didn't know that Ben was part of the, I thought that was just Randall's studio.
3: Yeah, it's Randall, Ben and um do you know Arjun Miranda? Yeah, he, uh, he plays in that band uh Black Mountain. Um but uh yeah he uh it, so it's
2: like it's the three of them but but i think you guys didn't track there though right or maybe it didn't exist when you tracked you i, I thought I saw you tracked it like strange weather I yeah think. yeah we tr- we tracked it strange weather
3: there's uh we we didn't uh there, there's no live room in uh circular ruin it's just oh, basically it's okay. okay, so the mix room basically yeah mix room and uh, and like uh it's and it's got to be area for sense and stuff but um but yeah, like as far as live stuff goes, like we still do it all. at strange weather.
2: Got it. So I was going to ask if, you know, I was curious because, you know, that record, which, by the way, sounds great and is, is great. Um, thank you. You're welcome. I was going to ask if uh, when you handed it off to him to mix, how much of like the shit that's on there was already sort of laid out. But, I, but if those guys work together really closely, then it's not like you were just sending him files and saying, do your thing.
3: We, like, we left it pretty dry. Um, and, uh, you know, we kind of just, you know, uh, we gave him some notes to go with and Ben sat with him during a lot of the mix, but... So all those yeah. vocals
2: were tracked, like, without all that shit?
3: All the vocals were tracked without all that shit. And most of, most of the, uh, the effects kind of come from, like, you know, I'll do two tracks and, like, you know, one track will be clean and the other track... Well, they'll either be like an octave thrown it or thrown on it, or it'll go through like a granular processor.
2: Right. But, but you're not. So it's interesting, I, I guess, because uh, those those things feel so integral to the the songs and the performances and everything that I just I guess I would have assumed that you were hearing a lot of that while tracking that stuff instead of just like yelling into a 58, you know, bone dry. Yeah, just fucking straight up dry. Huh yeah did you did you envision all that stuff getting added on or yeah that was that was the idea it's like in your head you'd be singing like delays to yourself
3: yes <laughs> um, I, I mean it, it very much like was kind of like based on a template that we like had already established, and Randall just kind of you know brought it to a more full realization,
2: okay, yeah, yeah. I think about this a lot because i uh I work with lots of bands and uh, the understanding the give and take of like how much, how creative they want their mixer to be or their engineer to be. Uh, it's different for every band, but, um, but it seems like in the genres that we live in, it's consistently sort of like, don't be super creative, uh, which, you know, is interesting.
3: I, yes, absolutely. I think it depends so much on who you're going to and how far you want to take it. You know, if you want to, you know, kind of like be like, you know, a more kind of dry by the, like, by the numbers, kind of like rock or metal band, then like, yeah, I I I get it. And, uh, but if you're kind of like, you know, if you're branching out, um, <sighs> And like, you know, you want to like add like, you know, weird effects. If you care about like, you know, trusting somebody who actually understands compression,
2: you know, like. Yeah. I think a lot of it comes down to when I just even hearing you, sorry to interrupt, but just hearing you talk about it, thinking about it. I think a lot of it is if you're working together with the the engineer on this stuff, or if you're just sending files off, like, because definitely to be like, yeah, fuck up my vocals, you know, and have me be like, okay, you know, like that could mean a thousand things. Like, how are we going to get this dialed? You know, with me sitting in a room by myself, it's totally different if you, the band, are sitting next to the mix engineer during that. And then, yeah. then it's more of like a collaborative creative process, which is, I think, much more conducive to fucking shit up.
3: I mean, I know for me personally, uh, like, you know, I can't speak for fucking, you know, for every band, but I pretty much like I only go to like, you know, Ben does all the uniform stuff, but like the stuff that I do on my own, you know, I go to any number of engineers or producers and I only go to people that I know I can have that kind of relationship with where it's like, I have this thing in my head. um, Is this thing possible? And with this, this thing, like, do you possibly have a better idea? You know, like I, like I want to go to an engineer or to a producer because like, i I trust their ear uh, and their expertise more than my own,
2: you know that's why so you're I, there, right yeah e-
3: exactly, otherwise I could just fucking I, I could do it all on my
2: computer uh, yeah, so it's funny about that because I think you know what you just said makes tons of sense, but it is it, it continues to surprise me the spectrum of opinions on that uh they're not even opinions, they're sort of like uh like just a spectrum of uh we'll just call them opinions, but you know, places that people are at for that. You know, there are some people who uh, are like, dude, I just trust you. Just, you know, like, that's why I'm here. Like you just said, which is great and very liberating. There's other people who want, who will third guess everything you do. And, you know, I do it this way when I'm working on my computer, that kind of thing. It's like, well, we're not on your computer, you know, like, please just go be the guitar player and let me do, you know, just tell me you want it more purple and let me, you know, and, and it's it is uh, it's a thing that you got to work out like every session, like which person is this? Which band, you know, like because it's easy to think that you've got person A and you've actually got person B and they're like offended that you're like, you know, running with it. And it's a so that's why I was asking about the Randall thing and all. It's just this interesting, ongoing internal debate that I have.
3: Oh, dude, I, 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 I completely get it. And, uh, you, you know, I, I feel like I've been kind of every end of that spectrum kind of like, as as far as like person in band throughout, you know, my, my tenure playing fucking stupid music, you know, I've been the, like, you know, like, yeah, cool. Just make this happen. I've been the, like, you know, the micromanager and like the further it, it took getting pretty far along to be like, yeah, you know, like I, just because I make fucking stupid music doesn't mean that I know or understand everything. And um, you know, it, you know, it's a, it's a good place to be right now where it's like, I know what my strong suits are and I know where things can be improved with the help right, of right. other people. And yeah, that's, that's that. How about this with the, um, uh, you said you were recording with, Cal- uh, Calhoun out in Chicago where, uh, where did you, did no, you know, I,
2: no, I was recording, uh, slow mass. in. Oh, Chicago. okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but, no, our our stuff we always record here in cool. Oakland.
3: Cool, cool, and you, and and you do uh, you do all the engineering, all the I do, out. yeah,
2: yeah. Cool. It's not cool. It sucks, but yes. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I could, I, trust me. I, how does like? I see how the double duty kind of affects our guitar player. Um, it, it, like it's it seems to be like you know this this crazy psychic reach that he has to like go back and forth between with like the mathematics of making something fucking, you know, actually fit into a mix versus being like, you know, the guy writing the riff and who like, who envisions the riff fitting in another way. Like it's this really weird dichotomy. How does that work for you as far as the Kowloon recording and writing and like playing process?
2: Uh, I've done it the whole time this band has existed Uh, I mean really like I've almost never been recorded by anyone else I've just you know, always been the person who's doing the recording so Mm -hmm. uh, in some ways it's natural for me and I can't imagine it being another way Um, but that doesn't mean it's easy Uh, I think consistently for the last for every LP we've done I've had like a small mental breakdown um, and I think it's probably related to just trying to shoulder all that stuff and, and do good at all of it. And partially, you know, you just have very little perspective. Like if, if I'm recording your band and I'm sitting in the control room listening, like then I've got a great objective view of it. But you know, if I have, if it it all goes away, if I've been the person like in, in the practice room playing this guitar rig for the last year, and now, you know, I set up all the mics and like, and, and it's at the point with our, in our band where, you know, everyone's like, Oh dude, I, j- I trust you. You know, I was like, well, I, I, that's great, but I can't fucking tell if this is good or not. So, yeah. um, the, 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 at this point, I think, and I think I'm better at it now than I was, you know, 10 years ago or whatever. I think really, I, it's just reps. Like I've done it enough. I've recorded so many bands at this point that I am able to sort of like see it objectively when I put mics up and go listen to it. We do think a lot in advance about you know the way the way the rigs were using and the way they sound and why and so it's just sort of trusting that and putting one foot in front of the other once we're in the studio I still do have to like I've got a laptop in the fucking live room that's driving pro tools in the control room mm-hmm. like over a remote desktop and I've got to kind of like be double-brained in that way like okay I'm like lizard brain playing guitar and being in the moment you know and then I'm also like uh, did did one of the mic preamps stop working on the overheads, or you know, whatever? Like, you know, and I there's it's just not great, but I couldn't imagine doing it another way either. Like totally. I, so I feel for your dude too. It's yeah. it's not, it's not fun, but also it's exactly the kind of personality that I am. Where you know, like I'm a, I'm a control freak, and uh, and also recording is really the thing I love to do. Yeah, definitely. You know, there we are.
3: I think that that's why Randall kind of came in for us so much, because, you know, for the longest time, it was always just like all Ben and like me sitting with Ben, telling him that I wanted things differently or because like just we have different aesthetic ideas. He's like, like he like he for the longest time was very much kind of like a rock purist. And I'm I'm very much not. And, uh, you know, Randall's presence like was just a fully objective set of ears like it's not like it's not him going my way or the highway and it's not me going like you're making everything sound like a fucking sst record stop it um you know it's it's somebody there that just kind of like basically an arbiter uh and uh and yeah you know like because of that like we got through this recording session and uh and you know some some other things uh without killing each other when we usually like you know usually making a record is a nightmare for us uh <laughs> <you> know, <laughs>
2: this this one was, was not oh that's really interesting um, yeah so we don't yeah. have an arbiter basically like yeah. we ne- we never have and i guess the the plus side of it is you know we never have mm-hmm. and uh so it's become like a a callus or whatever that we've managed to, you know, build up like being able to do this and feel comfortable with it and everything. Um, And we all do like each other and we all get along and there's no real drama, you know, interpersonally in our band. Um, So I think that helps a lot as far as getting through, you know, recording sessions when they're challenging and, you know, when, when things are, when things are flying in your face, you know, at, at least there's no one like, who you already wanted to kill yeah. right.
3: how how did tracking vocals go the uh this time around after you like you said you had like you know a significant amount of distance from the material like i I know for me where like you know when I fucking you know like write a song, practice it for a little bit then then record it like it's like all right, cool fine that's that's that, and then I'll sit with it for any period of time months years i'll play on it whatever and i'll just say to myself i wish i did it this way you know? uh so was there like a benefit for like you know spending having extra time with the material no <laughs> <laughs> Well. <laughs>
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of metal matters featuring scott evans unfortunately the week or so since we recorded this podcast the world lost drummer tony jacomi of shallow north dakota to pancreatic cancer we'd like to send out our heartfelt condolences to his wife cheryl and remind everyone that tony's music will live on forever through records like this apparatus must be earth auto body crusher mob wheel and more all available at their Bandcamp. Shallow North